Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to our show. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters. Nine volumes available in paperback, ebook, and audible format at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. And by the way, my book, UFO Sightings and Encounters, is now available at Audible. So take advantage of some books, audiobooks, and enjoy the ride with us. And now, may I introduce you to my brother and co-host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, I'm not going to say how you doing, because I know how you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing. But how you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm still battling the plague. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything serious, folks, but it just won't go away. Just a uh, respiratory pest. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Well, it's okay. Do your best. I'm sure the audience, uh, the audience will be forgiving. Yeah, yeah. And those of you who aren't, well, try decaf. <laughs> We're doing our best here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That we are. You know, I told you, Kev. I went to go out. I was going to go out and watch the full moon come up tonight out at the uh, the inlet down on the Atlantic Ocean, but I got clouded out. Ah. And uh, disappointing. I love, love, love watching the moon come up over the horizon out on the ocean. Yeah. But uh, we've had some pesky clouds around today, and I don't know really what I'm dealing with until I drive all the way out there. And I said, well, there's the answer to my question. (laughs) It's good to get out there, though, anyway, right? No, great ride. Uh, I come back down Dune Road. Uh, overlooking the Great South Bay. Uh, it's a good spot. I've seen a lot of birds over there uh, and the reflections of the sunset. The reason I go there, folks, is it's a beautiful east-west scenario. So you could be there at any given time and be looking at a moonrise and the sunset just by turning your head. Yeah. And it's really it's really quite spectacular. Pretty special. And folks, if you haven't had a chance to see the moon rise over the ocean, it is definitely uh something spectacular cuz there's nothing there except darkness and all of a sudden you start to see this white or orange orb start to appear and it 
Sometimes it takes a little while, unless you know you're going there to see the moonrise, to figure out what you're looking at. Yeah, yeah. If you're not used to it, you'd be like, "What's that glowing?" What the heck over there? is that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just one of the many little pleasures in life, like seeing a Bigfoot ravaging your garbage can <laughs> <laughs> or carrying your dog away <laughs> speaking of dogs i don't know if you can hear them here i'm out at the coast tonight and uh there must be a coyote out there or something in the dark because the neighborhood dogs are going crazy wow or a hairy man or a could dog a, man could be a dog man and the dogs don't like other dogs if all of a sudden you hear that drum from uh Scooby-Doo. Clink, 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 clink. That's because uh, here on the second story, I look out the window and there's red glowing eyes and pointy ears. I'm out of here. <laughs> Kev, you remember that account that I called Louisiana Lightning? Yes. What a freak show that thing was. Yeah, looking in the window, two stories high. That's, that's yeah, what I'm that was. Of. I, I don't even know how that works out, but uh, <laughs> I remember it as we're talking about it now. The woman was baking corn muffins or something, and the, they lost power, and the lightning was flashing, and he sees this thing as the lightning flashes peering in the, the window on the living room. Hey, Holy demonic sweet. dog man needs muffins, too. Yeah. Give me a muffin and I'll let you be. I hope you put some jalapeno peppers in those <laughs> yeah. corn muffins. <laughs> oh my god so what do we have tonight kevin uh cryptids in the news and other oddities segment yeah tonight we're going to go into the other oddities uh into slavic mythology uh huh. to talk about a creature called the leshy l-e-s-h-y all right the leshy i was thinking of joe pesci no, different one. May talk like Joe Pesci. <laughs> so you think oh, I'm a clown. I make you laugh, huh? Huh? <laughs> um, <laughs> the Leshy. Yeah, so the Leshy is a, uh, a sprite of sorts, but kind of a large size, extra evil sprite uh, that roams around the forest in the Slavic countries. And I'm going to start by describing a picture that I have here of the Leshy, because I think me describing the picture does better than a lot of the words I've read about him. And the picture is an illustration that comes from 1906. Okay. So Leshy's been around for a while. So this, what you're looking at, is a what looks like a crazed, large man with a beard down to his waist and bare-chested, but not hairy, but very long hair with, like, pine cones or something in his hair and deranged eyes, and he's peeking out from behind a tree in the forest. Wow. Sounds like some people I know. Exactly. He might look like somebody you know. <laughs> but, I mean, he is freaky looking. I'll put the picture up on BigfootTerrorInnoids.com under this episode, Podcast 190. Uh-huh. So this Leshy, you know, like I said, he's a, a forest spirit of sorts. Um, and he enjoys playing tricks on people 
Though, when he's angered, he can be absolutely treacherous. Hmm. He's seldom seen. His voice can be heard in the forest laughing, whistling, or singing. And he is a shapeshifter. 100%. Boy, oh boy. So, you know, these, these things you're describing occur with a lot of entities, even Bigfoot encounters or suspected Bigfoot encounters can include uh, singing, laughing, whistling. Yes. Uh, a lot of strange sound effects yep. accompany many of these, uh, a variety of different sightings no or, or encounters. Yeah, super weird. So yeah. they say when he is spotted, uh, he often has the appearance of a man his eyebrows, with with eyebrows and eyelashes and a long beard, which is how I describe the image. His right ear is missing, and his head is somewhat pointed. Wow, sounds like Vincent Van Gogh. <laughs> I didn't think about that with the missing ear. It does look a little bit like a crazed Vincent Van Gogh. <laughs> but he was a good painter. Yeah. Now get this. In his native forests, the leshy, it can be as tall as the trees. But the moment he steps beyond the trees, he can shrink to the size of a blade of grass. Wow, that's freaking creepy. Isn't that wild? Yeah, I mean, I talk about ability to hide. Yep. Wow. But it does look like a man, basically. You know, I mean... Mm -hmm. It's, it doesn't have fur all over it. At least when it takes that humanoid form, it does uh, look look like a crazed man. Yeah, well, what you just described to me, what I'm thinking about is like some type of crazed hermit. Yeah. That separated himself from uh, society for the past 50 years, you know? Yep, yep. And, and, and they say that the Leshy has a close bond with the gray wolf. And is often seen in the company of bears as well. So they say he's the forest lord and carries a club to express that he is the master of the wood. Huh. Has anybody ever uh, received any blows from the club? Not, not that I know of. Wow. People tend to head the other way. Now, when we say Slavic... What countries would you say we're including in that? Yeah, I'd say like Eastern Europe, Slovenia, probably Ukraine, you know, that mm -hmm. whole area there. All right. Yeah. So it's possible that the uh, the bugger could be showing up on the battlefield in Ukraine and clubbing some guys. <laughs> you know, no, <laughs> no, no kidding and all laughing aside, I was, I was watching the news tonight and they were saying that... Uh, the Russian troops in some areas, they're out of ammunition, so they're fighting with shovels. It's like crazy. You can't make this stuff up. Yeah, well, you know, uh, we don't want this show to turn into uh, uh, a disposition on the war in Ukraine, but right. uh, it just doesn't seem like, you know, I don't want these guys to be fighting at all. Right. But... Uh, it doesn't seem like the uh, uh, Putin is playing with a full deck. Yeah, yeah. Well, know, let's get like, back to the Leshy because he has yeah, a full deck. Yeah, yeah. So, again, <laughs> here they talk about them as being terribly mischievous. 
So they're not like impish. Like they really cause a lot of pro problems. They have horrible cries. They can imitate the voices of people. Um, so that and sometimes people that are familiar to people that are traveling by. So kind of very tricky, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, look, if you're a shapeshifter of any kind, that throws an entirely different curveball into the works. I agree. Because you could be looking at one thing one minute and turn around and then there's a dog standing there where this individual just was, you know, and you're like, huh? Now, what's super weird is he's got green eyes. Like, you'd think this shape-shifting, weird freakazoid would have red eyes, but he's got bright green eyes. Wow. Yeah. Kind of odd. Absolutely. Well, the whole thing is kind of odd, though, you know? That's why I picked him. Has, have there been any write-ups anywhere through the years on uh, sightings of this Leshy? There's a lot of, like, general write-ups of, like, what I'm talking about. It's not hard to find information on him. But, like, I couldn't find anything in the newspaper or anything, but probably mostly because it's in the Slavic countries. I wouldn't be able to read it anyway, you know. <laughs> yeah, here it is. Oh, yeah. I'll, 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 I'm not too good with all those symbols. <laughs> I'm better with the good old alphabet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It makes you wonder sometimes, you know. <laughs> even when, well, I'm, even when I'm not sick, I'm not too good with those symbols. <laughs> yeah. Like semaphore. <laughs> Exactly. Remember, remember the semaphore with the flags oh, going yeah. boat to boat? Oh, yeah. That was interesting stuff. Crazy stuff. But uh, the Leshy, yeah? The Leshy. Interesting character. Yeah. So that's, and, that's our character for this evening. Yeah, and yet again, another character that, to be honest with you, I don't want to run into. Will you see this picture, Bill? Yeah. You're going to be like, oh, I definitely don't want to run into it. I don't know if many of the uh, uh, nobody really uh, wrote in about the pictures of that uh, Alexa we were talking about. Yeah, you the, didn't see any letters come in, huh? No, nobody commented on it, and I thought that was odd. Uh, that picture is just very weird, man. Yeah, super cool. All right, it doesn't look. I mean, what do I know? It doesn't look. Uh, uh, CG or anything like that to me. Yep, I agree. Could could something else have been going on there that may have been overlooked in the moment when the picture was snapped? Perhaps. Yep. But it definitely. Uh, I, I'm. Lo I looked at it and I said to myself, one of the things I said was, what could form those two little bright dots that obviously represent the eyes? Yeah. And if you just concentrate on it and think, well, if if that was coming from behind the tree or alongside the tree, then what is the shape that we're seeing that's allowing that to shine through it? You know, it just it didn't make sense, you know. Very odd looking thing. We got the Alexa and now this Lesky. Jeez. Well, folks, I have a very cool and a, a little bit lengthy account here today that I'm going to get into with you. And uh, this was originally brought to my attention by a fellow named Jim Voigt, a resident of Texas. 
And Jim had actually done a fairly good job writing up his account for me, as well as the two of us hashing it out over the phone. So without anything further, I'll present you what Jim had sent my way. This is what Jim both saw and heard while hunting hogs in 2018. It was early in 2018, February to be exact, that my longtime hunting buddy and I took a trip to do a little hog hunting at a ranch located near Abilene and Sweetwater in southern Texas. The ranch is set up for eight people per shoot to be taken out and set in place in various pre-positioned blinds at 6 a.m. All of the shooters are instructed during a pre-hunt meeting to stay in place until they're picked up at 10 by those managing the ranch. The ranch is predominantly covered in juniper, mesquite, and what I will describe as a bunch grass, which is similar in, in appearance to pompous grass, growing in clusters some four to six feet in diameter. There's a ridge that forms the southernmost boundary of the ranch upon which sits a wind turbine farm, having several smaller canyons that run due south of it. This juniper, mesquite, and grassy cover is fairly dense and consistent throughout the ranch, with its height being, say, between 10 and 15 feet. There are openings within the cover, but my belief is that a man or anything else for that matter could not easily move about in here for miles and could easily move around in here for miles and never be seen. The setup is such that feeders are set in place that the hogs will come to and eat. They come in groups known as sounders. After having their fill of the feeder's contents, they disperse to eat the remnants which are scattered about the feeder. It is at this time, when they are separated from each other, that a clean shot can be taken at an individual hog without fear of hitting another in the process. My description of this behavior at the feeder will come into play later in the story, but as for this day, my partner and I had both bagged our hogs and been picked up. Having enjoyed ourselves to the utmost, being well-treated by the staff and the hunt itself, I booked a second trip for later in the year, just after Christmas, which I planned to take with my grandson, who's 14 years old. Later in the same year, being 2018, my grandson and I had arrived at the ranch, and after attending the pre-hunt safety meeting, the two of us were brought out to our blinds location, near the base of the wind farm's ridge, which I told you about earlier. The blind was made from a wall of brush in the front, with two shorter walls on the right-hand side and the rear, leaving the left side open for accessing and exiting the blind. Positioned within the front wall of the blind was a rectangular window cutout, through which you had excellent visibility of the feeder area. Using a rest, one can get off a good shot without having to duck down so much. On this particular day, I believe there were more than likely four different sounders or groups of pigs in the area. As the first sounder came into view, 
It was comprised mainly of smaller-sized pigs, and to be honest with you, they seemed to be a bit antsy, a behavior which is generally exhibited when a predator, such as a bobcat or a coyote, is in the area. After a short while, this sounder had wandered off. Moments later, my grandson and I began to hear what sounded like two people talking, coming down the access road, but what they were saying was unintelligible to our ears. Now, the ranch has very strict rules about staying put in your blind until you're picked up for safety reasons, and I couldn't understand why there would be anyone wandering around in the area knowing the rules. Neither of us understanding a word that was being said, I told my grandson to stay put in the blind as I grabbed my forty-five caliber Henry and stepped out to the side of the road. Seeing no one, I realized that everything around me had suddenly become deathly silent. It left me feeling as though something or someone was going to come busting out of the bushes at any moment, which thankfully didn't happen. It was about five or so minutes later, as I could hear the birds in the woods behind me once again, that everything seemed to normalize as it had been before hearing this gibberish. About an hour later, we were picked up, having scored nothing for the morning. Later that afternoon, in what was part two of the day's hunt, we were brought back to the very same blind. It was cold, with the temperatures being in the 20s, as the two of us entered the blinds for round number two. It was only a short while after we had come into the blind that the first sounder of hogs came into view. They seemed quite a bit jumpier than those we had seen in the morning, and they had wandered off without us being able to get off a clean shot. It was now about one hour before darkness when yet another sounder of promising hogs came into view. They were shoving and snapping at each other, as hogs tend to do when they're feeding, when suddenly from behind them, I heard what I can only describe as a grunt or squeal, all, all, oh, a grunt, a squeal, and a cough, all rolled into one. Sounds like me, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> it was very strange and a most unusual sound, the likes of which I had never heard before. As soon as it had occurred, every pig in this sounder scattered, running in every direction into the surrounding brush. I told my grandson that this must have been a big old boar or sow, which these pigs wanted nothing to do with, and so they ran off. After this event, no more hogs had entered the area, and we were picked up once again. The following morning, my grandson, for whatever reason, had decided to spend the morning session in the ranch house, leaving me to go to the blind alone. There were two different sounders which came through rather quickly, but it was before there was any good light which, with which to see them. A short time later, a third sounder had come through, and I noticed they were very skittish. Before they had a chance to move on, a nice 100-pound pig got clear of the group, and I decided to take it. My first shot was directed right at the head, which is what the ranch recommends all of the hunters to do. 
The hog dropped in its tract as the rest of the sounders scattered. Suddenly, it stood to its feet. And I said to myself, holy cow, I missed it. I followed up immediately with a second round. And having jerked the trigger nervously, I missed the hog entirely. Now, the ranch has a strict three-shell rule which means you can only take three shells with you into the field on any given hunt. And I had already spent two of my three. I knew I had but one chance left to get this right. I breathed deeply, and as the hog was quartering away from me, I fired a shot right through the heart. I watched as the shot hit exactly where I had aim, and the pig was down for the count. Since we were planning on returning to this spot that evening, I decided to let the pig lay where it was until I was picked up because I didn't want to spread any additional human scent into the area. A dead pig actually doesn't seem to bother the others, whereas human scent will. That was my reasoning for behind letting it be. As I sat waiting and watching, about 30 minutes passed, after which another sounder of pigs came in to feed. Their sizes were comparable to that of a German Shepherd-type dog. A couple of them started rooting my pig, and it had no reaction whatsoever, which was proof enough to me that it was, in fact, dead. As they browsed around for a period of about ten minutes or so, suddenly I heard what that sound again, which I mentioned earlier. Every pig in the sounder came barreling at the blind with me sitting in it with no ammo left. I sat against the opening with my legs blocking it that none of them could run inside as they ran full bore along both sides of the blind. There were about 30 hogs in this sounder and they were gone in a matter of seconds. I sat thinking to myself, wow, that was nuts. The commotion having ceased, I turned my head to look back out of the blind's window and my dead pig was gone. Immediately, I went outside to look for it. A short while later, the truck came to get me with two other hunters in it, and they began to assist me in the search. The three of us were very experienced in tracking down and retrieving game. We formed a hundred-yard perimeter around the feeder, scouring the entire area for the missing pig. It was about 60 yards or so from the feeder where I came upon numerous bones from a variety of pigs, including six skulls. The first thing that I took note of was that none of these skulls were damaged, which was very odd that the ranch recommends headshots as being the preferred method of taking a hog. None of these had a single bullet hole in them. One of the skulls was the size of a house cat, while another was the size of a large mature boar, and they were strewn around as though the bones were being thrown away as they were eaten. No hunter would have taken a pig the size of a house cat. We found no tracks other than those of the pigs, but I did notice on some of the clumps of grass impressions which had been made that were fairly long and wide. My first inclination was that of them being pig beds, 
But I then changed my mind about that, thinking that it was as though something had been stepping from clump to clump. Between the three of us, we hadn't found a pig, so we returned to the feeder site. (coughs) Based on the amount of blood, there had definitely been a kill shot. And yet, there was absolutely no sign of drag marks or blood trails whatsoever. When all the hunters were gathered back at the cabin, all were in agreement and saying that for whatever reason, <coughs> excuse me, the hogs weren't fanning out as they usually do, which gave way to the notion, at least in my own mind, that maybe they had good reason not to do so anymore. I know that something took that pick, and whatever it is or was had to be able to pick it up and get away quickly. Only one critter comes into my mind that has the ability to do so, as well as to talk in gibberish. Bigfoot. Now listen to this, folks. Many of my readers and listeners know that I'm not a hunter, but I am somewhat of a marksman. I have my expertise, and hunters have theirs. I've always maintained that the people sighting and finding most things which are related to Bigfoot are well-schooled in what they're looking at, and Jim was no exception. I had long wondered what happens to animal bones in the woods, especially having penned a number of bone pile accounts. And Jim was the fellow that had told me that some small critters, such as squirrels and rabbits, use bones to grind their teeth down, which apparently continue to grow throughout their lives, as well as others who eat the marrow. He had also mentioned to me that one of the skulls he found contained one of the two upper tusks, which was about two inches long, indicative of a large old boar. There was one other interesting point that Jim had made that I'm going to share with you relative to boars or hogs. For lack of better terminology on my part, Jim said that boars crunch or grind their tusks when a threat comes near, or as the group has to face it together. That is, of course, providing the threat isn't nine feet tall and 1,500 pounds. He said they do this as a warning, but they are also sharpening their tusks as they do so. Very interesting indeed. What do you think of that, Kevin? Yeah, I have heard of that too, sharpening their tusks that way. Um, but I, you know, I had not heard of the description called Sounder for like a group of wild pigs. It's cool. Yeah, and he, I cool asked him, Jim, what, I never he, heard he that. was, yeah, he was talking to me like, you know, a couple of sounders <laughs> came in and I was like, well, hold on, Jim, a sounder? Yeah. And he said, yeah, Sounder is a group of pigs. I looked it up while you were uh, reading the account. It is indeed. Well, how do you like that? But I so, never heard that before. And, yeah, well, and it, where was this, Bill? Southern Texas. Southern Texas. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, to me, this type of hunting, I mean, guys are going to do what they do. I mean, uh, I'm just penning another bear account. Uh And believe it or not, I don't mind telling you folks, I just put in volume 10, which is wrapped up, uh, an account from Prince of Wales Island uh, up in Alaska. 
And I now have a second account from Prince of Wales Island. Uh, the first guys were hunting with a rifle. The second group were hunting with uh, a bow. And the second group uh, was luring in bears, black bears, to basically what are 50-gallon drums, a hole cut in the side, filled with this... It seems like they use different things depending where you are or who's who's doing the mixing. Uh, they had like a pelletized bait. Mm. Whereas uh, I had some other people who were using like a, a goop or or like a, a I don't even like a dough like a, a bread dough concoction. I think it uh, was Pillsbury Pillsbury cookie dough. Yeah, no, I know what it was. Now they were using oats. And used cooking oil. Mm, good and stinky. And they were mixing it up in a small cement mixer, if you can believe that. <laughs> so what, uh, anyways, uh, yeah, uh, this type of hunting where you're just baiting something and sitting, waiting for something to come, and then bang. Uh, but, you know, if you don't care, uh, I guess it's as good as any, you know. But it'd be like me sitting in front of my bird feeder, and just waiting for him to land and going, bang! You don't do that? No. no. <laughs> I mean, I, I find, no, I, personally, I like a moving target. Well, it's like fishing, Bill, though. Like, you'll put chum in the water, right? Yeah, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> but most of the time, we're plug fishing or we're drifting. Right. So uh, I have to rely on uh, technique and knowledge of bottom contours and things like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you could, if you want an easy day out and you're with the kids or you just want to kind of meat fish, yeah, you could drop some chum over and anchor. And if you're in a good spot, they'll just be coming in by the garbage can full. Yeah. So, uh, especially if you're talking little fish like porgies or something like that, you know? Right. Right. But, uh, quite a, an account, huh? Very elaborate with the. The stomp down pompous grass, or mis- what did he call that kind of grass? He said it was like pompous. Uh, oh, he called it bunch grass. Yeah, that's that's. I got some of that outside my window here. You know? Yeah, so he he said it appeared to him like possibly something was like moving from bunch to bunch, uh, not leaving any tracks, almost like kind of playing hopscotch, you know. Yeah, and if you were walking through that stuff, you wouldn't leave any tracks. Yeah, very bizarre. Yeah. Just, but think about that. You shoot a pig dead, and the only thing that came through there was more pigs before he looked again and the pig was gone. I mean, how does that happen? How does a 100-pound hog disappear in the middle of a bum's, bum's rush of hogs running by you blind? Well, that was some account, Kevin. Uh our listeners' knowledge of uh, all things hunting and hiking and all kinds of other crazy stuff is always, uh, it always amazes me. So, uh, anyways, what do we have in our list of mail segment for today's podcast? Yeah, and Bill, we both learned what a sounder of pigs is. Yeah, it's I, crazy, huh? I had never heard that before. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting, you know? We might win the pot at a trivia game next Thursday night or something. <laughs> if we were on Jeopardy, exactly. what is a sounder, what is a group of pigs called? 
Bill. What is a sounder? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's a video daily double and you got like a herd of pigs running at you. <laughs> All right. Our first email, Bill, this week comes in from Matthew. And he says, hey, guys, two counties in Washington state have made it illegal to kill a Bigfoot. In 1969, Skamania and Whatcom counties, Skamania County is a $1,000 fine and a year in jail. The state of Washington also has a law that's called the Ocampo-Wiseman Law, a year in jail and a $1,000 fine for killing a Bigfoot. Texas apparently has a law, too, but also I have found found contradictory reports saying that um, you can indeed kill a Bigfoot in Texas. Don't know. California and Oregon seem to have laws stating that if an animal is not listed as a known species in the state, it is illegal to harm it. So that's just a quick search on my lunch break after listening to another fun-filled episode. Have a great day, Matthew. Pretty cool, Kev. Half a couple of people sounded in about the uh, the uh, legalities of taking down a Bigfoot. Yeah, I'm actually going to talk about another one right here because it was like some good uh, good data coming in. So one more on a similar thread with a little bit of extra detail. So, okay. So uh, this one comes in um, from Robert in Canada. And he says, hi, guys, long-time listener here from Canada. Although it's not illegal to hunt the big fella in my province of Nova Scotia, you also can't get a license to hunt such a beast. So, Mm. you know, not a law specifically against it, but if you go down to the uh, game warden, they're not going to give you a license to get one. Which means if you get caught with one... uh, You're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. So and he says he says ahead. I've known. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say in that other law that was out of California, uh, where it says if it's not a known species, you can't shoot it. Right. Well, what are we talking about there? That's an easy way out to not mention the name and yet cover it. No, I know. It's kind of a cool law, though. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. unusual, but uh, yeah. skirting skirting the creature, as I would say. Yeah, and then he talks about he. He gave us a link from KUOW, which looks like the national public radio uh, site for Washington State. And, and the article there says, think twice if you're aiming to go hunt for or, it just, or even just pester Sasquatch around Washington State. Some areas have laws against that. Up in Whatcom County, the council passed a resolution in 1992 that established a county as a Sasquatch protection and refuge area. Of course, resolutions are kind of like happy thoughts that councils like to pass. If the existence of Bigfoot is ever proved, then the county council might have to pass a more concrete ordinance. Wow. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, just a recognition of it, though, is kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just all very odd. Uh, but nobody came through uh, with a definitive state where you could shoot a Bigfoot. No, I didn't see anything that said, yes, you can shoot one here. Although we did see that there was a reward in Oklahoma again, I think in one of our last podcasts, right? Somebody wrote in that place, given the big reward, and they had the big cage for the uh, Sasquatch, too. 
Yeah, three million bucks. Yeah. If you catch it alive. Right. Got to be alive. Yeah, good luck with that. Don't don't dress up your brother-in-law. Hey, hey, why don't you come with me and I'll split the money with you? How's that? (laughs) Just put this on. Bang! Hey, what was that? (laughs) That's not funny. Listen, big fella. Just go in the cage for a little while. Let me count out the hundies and then bust out of there. <laughs> All right. And our last email for the tonight for tonight, my voice just about made it comes from our illustrious field correspondent, Rick from Ohio. And he writes in, Hi WJ, I'm listening to Cliff Barockman and Bobo Fay and their podcast. And they just mentioned your Bigfoot Terror in the Woods series as one of the most popular books on the Bigfoot topic. Also, I listened to you on the Richard Sirrett podcast. That was a good interview, and he was clearly enthralled by your dynamic personality. Cheers, Rick from Ohio. (laughs) Thank you, Rick. Yeah, pretty cool, and... uh, (laughs) I'm touching base with Bobo and Cliff to jump on the podcast with them. Uh, uh, it'd be good to kick it around with a couple of good old boys and uh, mix it up a little bit on the subject of the old hairy man. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's it this week, Bill. Folks, again, sorry for the second week in a row of me with a bad head cold, chest cold. Uh, I hope to be better soon. Um, and uh, thanks for your patience. Yeah, fantastic, Kevin. Uh, really interesting stuff about that uh, Lechke. Yeah. Uh, what a strange freaking beast that thing is. Yeah. And by the way, folks, if you should find yourself wandering around in the mesquite, in the bunch grass, southern Texas, you better remember just one thing. Always carry more gun than you think you're gonna need. Sleep tight.